Hey folks, this episode was brought to you by Patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV. Thanks so much to all the patrons out there giving us a couple of dollars a month. We really, really appreciate it, and it goes a long way to making episodes and podcasts like this possible. If you're on the fence about donating, go check it out. A couple of bucks a month will get you access to a Slack channel. A couple more dollars a month gets you access to podcast episodes early. Check it out again at Patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV. Enjoy the episode. Where's Adler? I'm Jeremy Greer. And I'm Gary Butterfield. And this is another episode of Days of Future Cast, the podcast where we talk about the 90s X-Men animated series. How are you doing, Gary? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm super excited because Thanks. this episode, we have a bonus. With, I know. With, we, have, we have a super secret bonus at the end. I'm, um, I'm so, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like a half hour of bonus. Like it's, 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 it's a full, full bonus. We're, we're going yeah, full, don't, full bonus. But, but don't just don't fast forward to the end or anything. There's still good stuff at the, f- the first part of the episode. No. I, mean, I know this is going to be a five-hour episode, but don't just skip to the last Yeah, bonus minutes. up front, bonus in the back. It's yeah, a, yeah. <laughs> it's a bonus mullet. Yeah, it's, 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 like, a, it's a, like a mullet on vo- both sides. It is a reverse double mullet. The, uh, yeah, I'm super excited to talk about all this stuff, though, because these are we're getting into some primo shit. Uh, but first, let's talk about what we've uh, already learned from the previous episodes. Absolutely. Previously on X-Men. So we've been introduced to the team, um, and right now that consists of Wolverine, Storm, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Jubilee, uh, and Gambit. I yes. think that's all of the yep. active members. Yeah, Beast Rogue. is still in prison. We haven't seen... Oh yeah, Rogue. Yep. About Rogue. She's important in this, um, this set. And um, Beast is still in prison. Yeah. Um, we know the government is trying to kill all mutants. We know Magneto is trying to kill all governments, and we know Wolverine is trying to crush on Jean. Like that's our pretty much our rock scissors rock scissors paper from last time. Wolver- if I remember right. Wolverine is so amazingly insecure in this episode <laughs> that like, and and I, I it's been a while since I watched it though, so I forgot why he's so like why he's doing this. Um, but but we'll get to it. He's got a really really like a real scene stealing moment going on so, oh, yeah. that, so that's going on and we're, we're firmly in like side quest territory for for the x-men oh, yeah. like this this yeah. the two episodes we're going to cover today uh form one complete story and that's why we're putting them together but uh the kind of main plot you know everything the sentinels and everything have been kind of on hold um you know we went and checked out genosha to see what that was like we had a little gar- like juggernaut fun um we checked out the morlocks um, so they're just kind of introducing the X-Men Rogue Gallery, Rose Gallery, and uh, not her specific gallery, where she just has pictures of Gambit <laughs> without his shirt on, uh, <laughs> like taken from a second story window. Um, but but specific, uh, the, the X-Men's Rogue's Gallery, um, kind of being introduced. And this is, they're introducing another kind of big capital A villain during this arc. Um, we're actually, you know, moving moving forward with the other kind of major threat other than Magneto that we're going to be dealing with uh, this season. That's correct. And a quick programming note, we are going to be, these. this episode and the next one is going to be a little weird. We have five episodes left in the main season. We're doing two episodes today and then our bonus episode like we talked about, and then we'll finish the last three on the next episode. Yeah. That kind of wraps us up all nice and neat. And that way we're not uh, stopping in the middle of a storyline. So, exactly. like I said, these, these two episodes in this one form a complete story. Um, yeah. So this episode we were talking about The Cure and Come the Apocalypse, which is nice because we're... Uh, Finally, being you know introduced to Apocalypse, who is a villain I have a weird affection for, even though he is uh, he has a tiny A on his belt and he wears purple lipstick, um, <laughs> and then and then uh, the Pride of the X Men pilot, 
Um, which, if anybody, like, if I can convince anybody who's listening to this to do something they wouldn't ordinarily do, if you, if you have even, like, a modicum of interest in the X-Men, please watch the Pride of the X-Men pilot. <laughs> it is so bonkers. Like it, it is so crazy. We could do a whole show so on weird. it. Like this, we could do a series on it. Like it is, it would be. There's a lot to talk about in it, um, and it is just uh, uh, the characterization that goes on in that is is some of the worst. I mean, we could we could do a six episode just characterization episode one, costumes episode two, voice acting episode three. I thought you were gonna say <laughs> like a, a six episode like just like episode one Dazzler. You know, and, and just, or, or we could we could do it. We could break it down that way yeah. too, because <laughs> everyone is so weird in that that series. But oh man, that, and that's kind of the pilot. So the reason you know it happened, it's not specifically a pilot for the X Men animated series. It was a pilot for a X Men animated series that never really took off, even though it kind of had surprisingly kind of long roots because the X Men arcade game is based on it. Um, mm-hmm. It is officially an expansion of uh, of that universe, which is pretty cool, and uh, uh, it's worth talking about. And it wouldn't. The animated series that we're talking about, generally for the show, probably wouldn't exist without Pride of the X Men. And I got into a little rabbit hole today when uh, I saw in the wiki that it was the arcade game was based on Pride of the X Men, mm-hmm. and I started looking around for um, voice acting on IMDb and came across. Did you know, did, have you seen this fighting game on the PlayStation? I sent you a link to it earlier today. Like it looks awful, and I want to play it immediately. I, w- I watched the. <laughs> uh, well, here, here's what we're gonna do. All right, I'm, I'm going to make a, a double promise, and and the actual thing about this might come out before, before this episode does. So, if this might end up being old news, but uh, so I did watch that. Um, I was familiar with that. Uh, come on, Abject Suffering, and talk about that. Let's do a crossover episode. Let's do a crossover episode. That would be great. Yeah, we'll we'll do that because we're doing uh, like about a guest episode per month now, and uh, my my roommate Will is recording with us to, uh, Monday, and then the next uh, guest episode we'll have we'll do uh, that X Men fighting game. Awesome. So, we can totally do that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and again, that might be old news by the time this episode actually comes out, or it might be in the future. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that is that is bonkers. The intro to that yes. is so good. They're Absolutely. gross. They're real yeah. liquidy. <laughs> they look like nail polishes. <laughs> like it's super weird. Yeah. It's just oh man, it's so bizarre. Well, let's get into the two real episodes, and then we'll talk about all of the Pride of the X Men after um, our character study break. Do you yeah. want to take us into episode number nine? Yeah, we're talking about X- episode XM one zero nine, The Cure. Original air date February twentieth, nineteen ninety three. Uh, a doctor at the Muir Island Research or Mutant Research Center claims to have found a cure for the mutant gene, and Rogue travels, uh, and not for the mutant gene Gray, because the only cure for her <laughs> is uh, pictures of Cyclops with his shirt off. Um, so Rogue travels to the island in hopes of getting rid of her mutant abilities but instead of a cure rogue finds that apocalypse and mystique are behind the experiments and are harvesting mutant powers now the x-men along with cable must race to the island and save their fellow team member before it is too late which is that's like that plot summary is just devious like none of that stuff at the end happens (laughs) (laughs) it is uh, that is totally true this is a slow burn it feels a little bit like 1.5 episodes stretched into two but then when you really does there's a lot of there's a lot of extra stuff that happens that i don't really care about at all in this in these two episodes well and the second one feels like it's cramped like that is that's dealing with such a huge x-men story um like apocalypse coming and and putting together the horsemen and everything that was like the entire like second or third arc of uh x-factor and was such a big deal, and and it, here it happens in a montage. Like <laughs> it is the the pacing on these two episodes is out of control. But the the good thing, the reason why I like these episodes are these ridiculous like character moments we get. Um, the intro to this episode is great because uh, we're we're introduced to Warren Worthington, um, which you know fans will know as Angel, who uh, is in his uh, cool chalet 
and he's at his uh, freestanding bookshelf. He has a bookshelf in the middle of the room, uh, <laughs> and all of the books are uh, DNA Volume One, DNA Volume Two, DNA Volume. Oh my god! Three. I didn't even I didn't even see that. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> so good <laughs> he's got the complete works of dna uh, uh and then uh cable got it that's got to be so out of date now because i have the 2010 dna series and it's yeah. much different i remember my parents bought one from a traveling salesman that's how old our, our set of dna is um, hey, you're dating yourself there sir yeah um, the uh so as he's at the bookshelf he's because he's gonna read his lady like dna uh, volume four um Cable kind of like has a little little like window in the books, and, and is like uh, challenges him. Uh, he's, you know, he's like, "Are you uh, are you Adler?" Because we we've heard about this Adler character actually uh, before. I believe I think that he mentioned it when he in the Wild Man of Borneo section when he shows up. He asks about Adler. Adler is the guy that supposedly designed the necklaces that we saw um, that tampered down tamped down on the um, mutant powers in Genosha. Yeah, and and so so they get into this, this little fight. He kind of just reaches him, you know, reaches through, and Warden Worthington shoots him. They get into a fight, and he throws Angel out onto the uh, off the deck into the snow, where he sinks rapidly into the snow like he's made of hot iron. Yeah, that's that's a weird, weirdly bizarre scene. And then he he stands up and his mutant power is released. And the sound effects here are great because apparently all of these wings have bones. Yes. <laughs> and when he releases when he releases the wings, they all like crackle. Yeah, like take off your goddamn your jacket. Yeah, what are you doing, man? <laughs> it, looks like it, it looks so painful. You had to push you, through a parka. You already look like a male model. Wings aren't going to hurt you, dog. No. <laughs> like just just let them out. You're, you're okay. <laughs> And then uh, they get into this fight. They they, they fly up, and, and uh, Angel's got a gun, because he always has a gun. Um, and Cable has a gun. <laughs> and uh, and they get in this little fight. Um, and somehow Angel still kind of doesn't get destroyed by Cable. Uh, Cable. Yeah, um, he like gets shot, but then uh, Cable, after, when Cable starts interrogating... Uh, Warren's main squeeze, who was still there, like not just taking all of this like pretty pretty normally. Yeah. Like she's apparently she's apparently suffered mutant attacks yeah. before. Yeah. Um, but Cable starts interrogating her, and she's like, "Oh my God, Warren!" And she and he says, "Don't worry, my gun was set to stun." And I'm like, "Why does he? Why do you even have that setting?" Yeah, and <laughs> and and also like, I don't know. It seems this is not very subtle, Cable. Um, I guess Cable leaves because he knows what's what's up. Like he could probably could have taken Angel because Angel is is, is trash uh, in a fight. Yeah, Angel has the worst superpower in my mind. Like, just wings and the ability to fly. Um, like, literally all he does is just, like, fly other people around. Like, he's kind of like, when Wolverine needs a ride, they call yeah. up Angel. <laughs> when they when they don't want to throw him somewhere. they um. There's an early cover where he's carrying a bazooka. Like, oh, it, nice. it's just like he's... <laughs> and, and that's something I could do. Like, he, he doesn't have to be an X-Men for that. Um, and then the, in the comics, they've done all kinds of, like, dumb attempts to give him more interesting powers, but those suck, too. They all are based on the fact that he actually is an angel. Um, but the fact that his focus in this really reminds me that this is kind of uh, related to X-Men 3, The Last Stand. Like, this has a lot of the same plot elements of that movie, this episode yeah, specifically. It really does. <clears throat> um, so, uh, Adler's in Scotland. And then uh, Xavier and Moria are talking. Uh, Moria McTaggart, who we were introduced in the last episode, I want to say. Uh, and I might cut in a little bit of her audio here because now I'm getting good at audio editing and I can do those things. Because mm. uh, she has some of the most atrocious voice acting and accent that I've ever heard. It's, <laughs> like, if that's. It's so bad. You created the Center for Mutant Research, my dear Moira. Can't you demand to review Dr. Adler's work? I. I would if I could. But he's not really part of the Center. He pays me well for everything. His one request was to be left alone. 
everyone leans into their nationality a lot in the X-Men, just kind of in general. <laughs> um, and that's going to be a real thing in Pride of the X-Men uh, in, in the most incredible way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> um, Xavier and Moira walk up to this lab slash base or whatever, and um, his first thing to do instead of knocking on the door is to scan for and try to read the mind of anybody that's home, which is, like, the most invasive motherfucking thing ever, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, like, if you just came to my door and, like, didn't knock and then started reading my mind, it was like, wow, that dude's having some weird masturbatory fantasies right now. Like, it's rude. <laughs> <laughs> Xavier, get it's out of my head. time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he does it, and he gets his feedback. Like, he gets this little picture mm-hmm. of Mystique, a little picture of Apocalypse, and then he kind of passes out, um, you know, and doesn't do that. And, and when he, and they knock on the door, they, uh, visit us all verboten! Like, the, the Ad, Dr. Adler, which is, you know, a very strong German name, uh, has the thickest Einstein accent, and essentially <laughs> just looks like Einstein anyway. Uh, and then, and then they just kind of walk away. Like, they're like, hey, uh, you know... We should let people choose if they have the cure. And he says, like, don't say cure. It's not a cure. And that that's just, like, people stating the theme of the episode over and over and over. Um, but I'm glad to get away from your island uh, for this section because then we get to one of my favorite scenes. And this is, is like, oh. Wolverine's insecurity breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're the the X Men are rebuilding the mansion from the last episode where Juggernaut came up and just basically trashed the whole place. And um, one of my favorite bits here before we get to Wolverine's insecurity is that they are all in costume. Yeah. Uh, with, actually, with the exception of Wolverine, like, do you think like that's like one of Xavier's policies? Like, if you're at the mansion and you're working, you have to be in the costume. Yeah, like, you have to be. Have that's to be their flair. Uniform. Yeah, <laughs> it's all part of the uniform. Troops. Um, this is, so they're rebuilding it, and they're all just doing it in a real flashy, like, let's demonstrate our powers way anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. But Wolverine is just walking around fucking, like, wolf-splaining everything to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> like, it is, it is ridiculous. And it's like, I couldn't, I honestly couldn't remember, like, what is this guy's problem? Like, I was trying, like, everyone has been at a work situation or a party where there's a guy doing this shit. Where he's just like walking around supervising, like, oh, that's pretty good. Do you want me to put some nails in there? That cement's pretty thick. Oh, do you want to stack these boards a little bit more, uh, you know, correct? You know, and then and sometimes it happens when someone's just very excited about a project, and and they should still shut the fuck up, like even if it's it's for good reasons. But this mm-hmm. is not good reasons. This feels like it is some kind of weird, like he's just trying to get into a fight, and it never really yeah, pays no, off. I I didn't understand what like. I actually kind of went back to the last episode thinking, like, did I miss something? <laughs> like, did was there a five minute period where Wolverine was mad at everybody? And I don't, I don't think that that happens. Like, I think no, he it, just shows up real mad to come to work, right? Like, that was it. <laughs> it would have been a cool, uh, an interesting bit of characterization if this came after um, the, all the stuff with him being jealous of uh, Scott. And this is what he does instead of runs off to Canada. Is he's just like a huge performative dickhead? And that would have been like, oh, okay, like we all know that guy. But he should have that all of his system by now. But instead, he, he doesn't. Um, and, and, you know, he's just walking around trying to be like, I like working with my hands, Gene. Like, it's fucking gross. And uh, and he starts uh, fucking with Gambit. And then Gambit charges, um, like, a, a brick. Which is, like, a very dangerous Gambit. Um, in order to... Yeah, Gambit, we, we are repairing the mansion. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, you, you need to... All the, the jokes to that effect show up in the next episode when everybody's got their, their goof hat on. For some reason, <laughs> but uh, as as there's there, this awkward like thing where Wolverine's being a dick, uh, Jubilee comes up and says, "Hey, everybody, guess who wants to talk to us?" And then the camera stays on her for like a second too long. It is so fucking weird. Like this it's scene so is amazing. 
It is really, really good. Um, I love the line delivery there, too. Like, hey, everybody, guess who wants to talk to us? Like, there's literally, nobody has ever said that in their entire lives. This is no. the most awkward bit of dialogue. And it's also, uh, uh, so Professor bad. X wants to talk to you all the time. It happens constantly. He also talks to you with his brain. So he is he is absolutely listening in on this conversation that you guys are happening right, having is, right now. He is controlling Wolverine like a puppet and fulfilling <laughs> all of his handyman fantasies. So uh, when I get jealous, I just take over Wolverine's body and act like a dick for a little while. Yeah, yeah. And then when I actually want to, like you know, uh, 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 make out, I'll take over you know somebody else's body who actually gets to like you know release this seething sexual tension that is turning him into a jerk. He's, he'll definitely take over Gene's body so he can make out with Cyclops, right? Like, yeah. that's probably canon. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and you know what actually is canon? Do you know about this? That uh, Professor X, like, had a thing for Gene when they first when she first came to the mansion? Yeah. I'm trying to remember what the context for that was. Like, There's no it, context. Um, the, it, came, <laughs> it came up recently. That was like, is that a recent thing? Or? It's not. It's not. It's, it's more recent than you think, though. So, like, what happened is in the early episodes of Issues of the X-Men, there's all these scenes where, like, she leaves the room and Professor X is like, how could she love me knowing that I'm an old man and I'm a cripple? And so oh, I'm just like, geez, oh, jeez, jeez, Stanley. And then, uh, so that happens. And then flash forward like 30 years and it becomes one of the reasons why onslaught is there like it, it ends up being a motivation for onslaught oh great because he needs more motivation yeah get, well he, I mean, he does like I, he's sarcastic but onslaught has no motivation onslaught's terrible um but the uh it that's this wouldn't have been the right thing for him but there's all these uh, early like little panels in those early x-men where professor x is perving on gene and like this is like straight up like weird power imbalance huge age difference just met her like in a relationship like there's all kinds of reasons why this is fucking gross um but yeah it is it's it's an exhibit like that it's exhibit like f in the professor xavier is the is the worst person kind of argument but it never comes up like nobody is ever like they're always just like oh he's just training kids to go murder each other like that is pretty bad he's also like a kind of pedophilic perv uh, in that the is 60s. super, super gross. I wonder, because they cast uh, Sophie Turner as Jean Grey in this next X-Men movie, mm-hmm. and she's kind of has a history of playing a character that has weird, pervy relationships with the old men on Game of Thrones, <laughs> so <laughs> I wonder I wonder if that plotline's going to be explored. I, I, uh, I hope it is not explored uh, like it is in Game of Thrones. <laughs> that would, would uh, for some reason, like, keep that, let's, let's quarantine uh, that stuff in the Game of Thrones-averse. Um, so anyway so so what he's saying is that uh, Dr. Adler has found a way to reverse mutation he's announcing it to everybody and and Rogue goes huh Little yeah, you, you can you can tell immediately like they're they're hooking this into Rogue, and I, I like uh, Wolverine's really overly aggressive reaction to this too. Like nobody on our team is gonna want to want the cure. Like, dude, like talk to your teammates. You don't know, what's going on <laughs> you don't know anything. <laughs> you are the worst friend in this thing. Um, and th- there's a couple good shots too. I think there's a part here where, and this might have happened earlier, but they've set up this Rogue. Uh, kind of pining really well where there's a part where Cyclops and Gene walk away holding hands and like the, the shot is framed between their hands to Rogue in the background like Rogue's in focus and Scott and Gene are out of mm-hmm. focus you know um, they've done a couple things like this so she, she's upset she obviously is way into this because she's never known a human touch and uh, the uh, if in case we didn't figure it out which we did um, Cyclops and Jean uh, have this kind of like they're they're lying down on wood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not, not not meaning that there is no double entendre there. They're literally lying down on plywood. Yeah, taking, <laughs> in the un- unfinished mansion, taking a nap in the middle of fixing their house, and they say like, 
uh, uh, Scott is an idiot, where he's just kind of like, uh, everyone is fine. You know, and, and Gene's like, I don't know, I'm worried about Rogue. And uh, he doesn't get it either, because the, these guys are idiots. Uh, but Rogue actually takes off. Yeah, she she runs, she takes off in the best way possible, right? Oh wait, well, let, let me not. Skip this is before that. that. Yeah, this is first. She steals a convertible, or or well, takes, she, takes the X convertible. She says it's her car. Like when okay. Gambit jumps in and tries to ride with her, she's she's like, "Get out of my car!" And I'm like, "Rogue, y- you don't have a job. Nobody's giving you a check. To, like paid to Rogue." Did, did Xavier gift you? Like, it, like whose name is on the pink slip? Like, I want to see the pink slip. He, he pays them in cars. Like, there, there's a whole there's a whole wing of the mansion that's just like their classic car collection. Like, that's what brought them all together. Even when they're fighting, they can they can bond over their love of classic cars, like Jay Leno. Um, every every year they're an X Man, they get a new car. Like, people like normal people get an extra week of vacation. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Um, so yeah, yeah she t- she jumps in the car. Gambit jumps in and. This starts a running theme for the, both of these episodes, where Gambit is just relentlessly pursuing Rogue in the creepiest MR way way possible. Like, it is the MR boy, way. Boy, like, the MR way. <laughs> this makes me embarrassed to have ever liked Gambit in my entire life. I'll, and I already kind of was. This is just way, way worse. <laughs> it is It is so weird, though, because... So, his, there's obviously, like... It's not... It's, it's gross in MRE. She isn't, like, not interested in him. Right, like that is like, and in the in the show, like I think that she like had her her druthers, like they would do a bunch of cool makeouts, um, and then and in the comic, she's very attracted to, to Gambit. Like that's part of her character. The point See, I is, I thought she was. I thought in the show she was way more into Cyclops because, like, way back in the first or second episode, she has to do that makeout thing with him to steal his powers to stop Magneto, and like she kind of flirts with him afterwards. But she doesn't do any of that stuff with Gambit. Well, she she flirts so with they, Sentinels, bro. Like, there, there's like <laughs> that, that's part of her Southern Belle characterization. Like, <laughs> she's just a flirtatious lady. Okay, if, if, if there's a male, you know, signified anything, like she's gonna flirt a little <laughs> bit with it because the the show writers can't write. Um, the so it's not that it's that her powers make her kill people who she touches and she is it, this weird world where like she knows this like th- this scene would only make sense if she had been keeping that power a secret because gambit acts like he doesn't know it at all like he's he's just like like we can risk it and it's like no dude like it hurts people really bad my boyfriend was in a coma like it is like, <laughs> and he's like well maybe the kiss will be worth it and i'm like gambit have you ever kissed anybody before yeah, it's this not worth it like it's pretty <laughs> totally cool. not worth it, it exactly he thinks that's how girls get pregnant like he he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't it's like funny you can, it is, you can blame that on the louisiana public school system that's all i'll own that <laughs> there's uh, no mom sex and dad in. kissed and that's how they made a me uh, but it is just like it is. I have you know I have you kissed a, a share of ladies and and sometimes it's great. It's never worth being in a coma for. Like no, I no, you know I'll go as far as to say I haven't had sex that's worth being in a coma for. Like how a, long? Was, how long am I in a coma? <laughs> like, is a, like is it a day? Like an eight hour coma, sure. But like a, a you know a day maybe. But like the, I think that Cody was in a coma for like years because he comes back in the comics. At some point, he shows yeah, up, and yeah. it's like, oh, shit. Um, Everybody comes back in the comics, though. You're not going to have a flashback without somebody yeah. coming back eventually. But, but Gambit, it's like more than him being a gross perv ball, which he is, and like just like take no for a goddamn answer. But also, think about it for 30 seconds. You, you colossal moron. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? He just wants what he can't have. That's the sole problem. Yeah, just go, uh, go fucking junk yeah. it, dude. <laughs> go go you know can get some kinetic energy out like 
<laughs> there's there's a solution for this. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's pretty obvious too, right? And her name is Storm. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> clear, clear. Your, and that is there's some romance there. We're not just saying uh, you know he can go have sex with whatever lady he wants. There is that's another comic thing too. Like those guys have a romantic tension. Like Gambit gets around romantic tension wise, uh, but he's just, Gambit just gets around. Period. Yeah, that's 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 Gambit. <laughs> he's, he's basically a cat in heat. Yeah, like, he's, you're gonna you're gonna hear him coming. He's he's like a sex addict. It's like a creepy like. Nym- like that movie Nymphomaniac oh kind of thing. Like, it is just a joyless act for him that, like... Oh, man, imagine if they got David Duchovny to play <laughs> in a movie. <laughs> that's kind of, like, like 15 years ago, that's kind of good casting. It actually kind of would, especially, like, just his entire character from that Californication shit would be really good. Yeah. Just throw him in a ca- Cajun accent, and he's yeah. good to go. Um, anyway, Gambit's sexual proclivities aside, Rogue takes off, and, um... She eventually she can't she can't shake Gambit because he keeps jumping in her car as she's driving away. So eventually she flies off, and I, I love this part because th- there's a weird timing thing that happens here where she flies off, and then we cut to a plane flying, and this dude in midair in the plane looks outside and like has a shocked reaction, and then we see Rogue sitting on the plane mm-hmm. on the wing, <laughs> which makes well, on, the, on the wing, which makes me think that like flying around actually makes her tired, and I'm kind of fascinated with the way that powers like work. Mm-hmm. In not real life, but like, so like, can she only fly for a couple hundred miles? Like, what's her limit? You know what I'm saying? It, I mean, <laughs> like she, yeah, like that. That would that would totally make sense. Like the um, because like at least with Angel, like you're sure that makes him tired because he's actually like pumping his arms, you know, pumping his wing arms. But but whoa, Rogue just like flexes or something. Like it's not telekinesis. <laughs> Does she just kind of like want to fly and then it happens? And yeah, and there's actually a moment um, later in the episode where she runs into Angel, and he says, how do you fly without wings? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> she yeah. doesn't even care. She's just like, I'm out. Yeah. Uh, um, the, the other reason I like this part is because in the comic books, um, there's a moment <clears throat> where she does this, and she flies, I think she flies next to the plane, and um, she look, and I think she, no, she flies next to Air Force One, and Ronald Reagan looks out and has this shocked reaction. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just really good. Um, so she 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 uh, she eventually you know finds uh, Muir Island by looking at a picture in like a travel guide, like a picture <laughs> picture book, and heads on down to Muir Island where we get this like super sad Muir Island bar uh, where uh, Pyro and Avalanche are getting drunk and playing darts, and uh, we're introduced to these guys, um, which are kind of weird, you know, minor but perpetual X Men villains. Mm-hmm. Like these guys never really go away, but they never get a shot at the big time. Uh, here and uh, and and they're assholes. Um, they're, they're real bad. Where they're just like, you know, she comes in. She's like, "Hey, are you Adler?" And and he goes, "No, Lev, I'm Pyro." And just like sets fire to the bar. <laughs> it's like <laughs> no, nobody has respect, not just for other people's property, but for the property they're currently in. In this show, it's like this. This will affect you. You know, like you, you don't want to burn down the place you're in. At the very least, your clothes are going to smell like smoke. And, and number two, this is probably the only place to drink in your island. Oh, totally! Like, you are screwing yourself over. Like, there's everywhere else is just churches. You can't and you can't sell liquor near churches. Yeah. So, like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> and I know you control fire, but also like it's going to get out of control pretty quick. There's a lot of booze in this bar, brother. <laughs> like, just like don't don't just do. I mean, I get that every it's a comic book TV show, so everyone has to demonstrate their powers right away, uh, or else <laughs> yeah, kids won't understand them. Uh, but boy, does that that scene is it ridiculous? 
I love like, how Avalanche um, shows off his powers here, which is after Rogue dust off uh, Pyro, he walks up and just melts her chair, yeah. which I don't understand <laughs> at all. Like, his name is Avalanche. I expected him to like raise up the ground in like a one of those weird ground wave things that they're always doing in the comic books, but nope. I'm just gonna you know dissolve your stool. <laughs> that, that, that's what he really does. Is he he you know creates vibrations, but here, not so much. Um, and uh, so both these guys get kind of tossed out. You know, Rogue isn't having it. She's looking for the cure. Um, she goes up to uh, Adler's lab, you know, and he goes, visit us off a Bowden, which they only recorded once, uh, and just kind of play the, the soundboard for it. And she just rips his door <laughs> off and is like, I did not fly here to get told no. Which, again, property. <laughs> like, all this shit has to be repaired, dog. <laughs> like, stop it. And it's it's kind of funny, too, because the door is there, I think, through through subsequent, through the rest of the episode, right? They, they like, I don't it. think anybody fixes it, yeah. You just cut to Mystique with a mouthful of nails, like, in a hammer, just kind of, like, <laughs> repairing this. Boy, I wish I was telekinetic yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. If only somebody who was strong with their hands were here. Like, uh... uh just, uh... You know, and this this door, it, it, it is, like, a foot-thick metal portal to you like there's there's no reason uh that they should be able to open this or repair it yeah it makes no sense whatsoever so rogue is um and i'm kind of even though i just watched this i'm kind of forgetting how this um worked out she leaves right like she's she what's the time in here because she comes here and she says you know i want the cure and then she leaves and that's when we that's when apocalypse is revealed he's yeah. hiding behind the door that's what it is he's literally hiding it behind is really the door. cute <laughs> <laughs> and this is our first time we see apocalypse it's because mystique needs to check in with apocalypse before she can say yes um she she can't just say yes we'll give you the cure because apocalypse is calling the shots um apocalypse's design uh, as i already mentioned uh has weird like it's like his lips have piping like like the old X Men first movie piping that the characters mm-hmm. have on their costume, it's, that's what his lips are. Is 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 eighties uh, piping, and then he has a big A on his belt. And that's my favorite detail, uh, just in case you forgot that he was an ancient Egyptian god king. <laughs> um, <laughs> with a, with an affinity for the color like blue and purple. Yeah, his uh, his, his I'll, sound I'll, scheme. Like I will say that his voice actor is actually oh, great pretty good this, like i've really enjoyed this dude chewing scenery throughout these two episodes this, it's fantastic this defined like I, we talk about this a lot on the show but like this defined apocalypse for me completely like reading the comics like oh this is this is apocalypse's voice you know and it makes him kind of scary because he is a goofy like they give him this goofy power set where he can like turn his hands into hammers and change sizes and stuff like for somebody who's supposed to be scary they give him a really really goofy power set um but his voice what like carries a lot set? Ah, like whatever i don't think i yeah, I've never really understood what like Apocalypse's supposedly mutant power is supposed to be. He's a, I just don't get it. He's immortal, um, and then he controls his size and density, um, so he can be like crazy strong and crazy huge. Uh, and then he has like energy blasts, um, and I think that's a, a, it. Which doesn't sound like very much, but it ends up being like he's super powerful. Um, he just does those things really well, I guess. Um, Fair, but, yeah. Um, so as they, uh, uh, you know, as you know, they say, like, yes, we'll make her a slave. Apocalypse says, let's do it. And Rogue's leaving. And she starts thinking about her past. And we get this, uh, this, this flashback here. And this is pretty much like the stereotypical Rogue flashback. Like, she's flirting with the dude. And the dude goes to kiss her. The dude gets knocked out. Um, like, that's, that's pretty much like the history. Like, every time Rogue ever thinks about something that happened in her past, it's kissing a dude. Yes. Or not being able to kiss a dude. Or... 
No, that's pretty much it. That's, yeah. that's, there was only two type of people. <laughs> that's what I was dudes, dudes that Rogue have kissed. Uh, yep. Dudes that Rogue want to kiss. Yep. Exactly. You get you get shunted into one of those two categories. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and she, she's uh, we we end up uh, Pyro is looking around for Avalanche down on this rocky the rocky shores where his broken and battered body is probably already washed up uh, <laughs> in, in a foamy blood uh, thing. And Cable's down there because um, he doesn't land on the island properly. Um, and it's like, well, well, fuck, you know, you guys are fucked. Like, these guys have a bad time in this episode. Um, yeah, these dudes do not get... Go, <laughs> this is, like, terrible because they don't know who their boss is. We didn't get really get into this, but, like, he knows it's Mystique. He doesn't know where Mystique is. Nobody's coming to, showed up for, to, like, pay their bar tab. Like, these guys are just having a bad day. And they keep, like, fighting above their weight class. Like, they haven't been matched with anybody appropriate in this. It's like, you guys can't take Cable. Like, you guys can't take Rogue. Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you guys doing? I do love Cable right here because like he cannot go more than two seconds without saying a one-liner, and then his version of a wink, which is that weird glowy thing that pops up, is <laughs> his eye glowing for a second, his reverse wink. I really want to, uh, I really want to like slow that down and have a, a GIF of uh, what's her name, um, the mom Bluth from Arrested Development. Oh. She does that real creepy <laughs> wink. It's going back and forth like them winking at each other. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, that, and this this whole dialogue thing. This is just like Pyro is like, "Hey, I'm gonna ki- I'm gonna kill you," and for no reason at all. And Cable's like, "Nope, you're not." Yeah, <laughs> and then that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Rogue is going to get this cure, <coughs> right? Um, and the, 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 you know they think it is shit. But at this point, because of Cable spilling the beans, uh, Pyro and Avalanche know, "Hey, there's a guy who can cure mutants. His name is Doctor Adler. Let's kidnap him and ransom him. Ransom him." Because uh, they're just kind of low lifes. Uh, so as Rogue is about to like, you know, kind of take the plunge, they bust into the bar and start wrecking the place and kidnap Doctor Adler, only to find out that it's their boss. Um, <laughs> surprise! Surprise! <laughs> and uh, and and Cable doing his corner creep because like, this, this whole episode is just Cable like hanging out behind <laughs> things and, and in corners and stuff. Uh, and, you know, kind of uh, has been watching Rogue and he gets zapped by by something. No, no, or no, Rogue, um, yeah, Rogue gets out. Sorry, I missed. Yeah, Rogue Rogue is, yeah, Rogue is like has come back to to Doctor Adler and is like about to get zapped when they bust in and um, they bust in, kidnap Mystique, aka Adler, and then Cable, who's just been sitting there, I guess, just watching his mutant friend about to get like (laughs) zapped. I mean, maybe not friend, but fellow mutant, right? Like, (laughs) well, he obviously cares about it. Like, he's trying to get Adler. He's trying to kill the uh, the the collars and stuff. Like and he, she's and she's obviously a mutant. She's wearing a costume. Like she has a uniform. It's a pretty easy identification yeah. process. So yeah, um, and that's they run away. Uh, Cable chases them, and then there's like a whole fight thing. But I love the I love the scene when they Pyro and Avalanche they get Adler over to like again the rocky beach or wherever. Undo the like, take the potato sack off off of him. She she turns back into her normal self and is like, "I've been working for Apocalypse." And they literally say, "Who the fuck is Apocalypse? Like, yep. who is this guy? <laughs> we don't know what. The- I don't know who this is." Poor guys. Is this where he says like frightening? Like, or personally, I find this frighteningly confusing. <laughs> yeah, he's just completely clueless. He's like, "I have no idea what's going on with this." <laughs> it, it is never a good sign when characters are criticizing the plot. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's not. Uh. Uh, so yeah, Rogue shows up at this point and starts, because um, Rogue still thinks that they kidnapped Adler and that Adler is actually Adler. Mm-hmm. So she starts attacking um, Pyro and Avalanche and there's a little fight scene here. There's a funny scene where she throws a rock at Avalanche and he dissolves it and all of the pieces of the rocks hit them. I'm like, this, these dudes are just, t- like you said, 
outclassed, <laughs> not prepared for this at all. Uh, yeah, she wipes the floor with them. Um, and, and Cyclops and Jean show up um, because they, they were worrying about Rogue earlier and kind of put two and two together. Um, luckily, they, they just knew exactly where on the island she was um, and zip across the, the, the Atlantic in you know, zero time. And, yeah, this uh, is like 45 minutes later, as far as I can tell. Like, the timing here is really weird. I'm not going to get too much into those details, but I mean, like, how fast is that plane ride? Yeah. yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so this is a weird kind of misunderstanding, because nobody knows they're actually dealing with Apocalypse or Mystique, except for Cable. He's the only one who knows, you know, what to do. So Rogue is protecting protecting them. You know, the X-Men and Cable fight, uh, Rogue fights, but really, like, Cable is doing the right thing. We just don't know it, you mm-hmm. know, trying trying to stop this. And eventually, they all just kind of disperse. Right, like Rogue stays there. They say that the Rogue's gonna have to decide for herself, um, and we kind of cut to like forward. Like the end of this episode is a clusterfuck. Like this, this yeah. does not have like a proper climax or like a really coherent ending because I, I think that they knew they were gonna send it into the next episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, so as, as this is happening, as they're kind of picking up the pieces, Angel shows up and says like, "Hey, I'm actually Warring Worthington. I've been funding your research. I want the cure." And Apocalypse is like any port in a storm because like he's supposed to be this master geneticist, but he will literally take all comers. Yeah. Like it doesn't yeah, really matter. Business. Yeah, <laughs> it, is, it doesn't matter. Um, he's literally open for business. Like as we'll see in the next episode, he's just got a line of mutants out the door, yeah. ready to do this. <laughs> but just just a bunch of no name, no names, uh, except for a couple more locks, which we'll see, and one really bad haircut. Uh, so yeah, he's he's uh, gonna do this stuff, and he's gonna take over the world. Yep. Yep. And there's some really good scenery, Chewie, and that brings us into the next episode. Which is XM-110, Come the Apocalypse, original air date, February 27th, 1993. The immortal mutant apocalypse turns mutants who journey to Muir Island, seeking the fictitious cure into the horsemen, famine, uh, pestilence, war, and death. The horsemen start destroying everything across the planet, and the X-Men must battle the horsemen to prevent further suffering. And that's this episode, where this is our, this is like... An entire like story arc of one character kind of broken down into like twenty minutes, of which maybe fifteen are used on that actual plot we just talked about. <laughs> I love the way that this opens up too, because now that Cyclops and Jean have showed up, um, obviously Professor Xavier and Morgan Taggart were already there along with Rogue. So now everybody's hanging out in this bar that Pyro and Avalanche were just <laughs> hanging out at. Except now a whole lot more mutants have shown up and like obvious mutants. Like we talked before with the warlocks, uh, excuse me, morlocks mm-hmm. that they don't really, they weren't that bad. These dudes are kind of bad. <laughs> like, if anybody need to be living under a subway, it's this crew. Jesus. And, and some of them, uh, there's a couple of them. I'm looking at the picture here. You have in the show notes that are wearing costumes, but are not associated with any teams that I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love the dude in the middle, too, um, right above Warren's head. It, he, it reminds me of uh, the character Tombstone from the Spider-Man series. I oh, think. yeah, yeah. Daredevil. This, this great gray face. But uh, like, it's, yeah. it's that same hairdo, like that yeah. flat top. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. And he's, I love this picture of War, too, where he looks just like a like a sad, like he looks like a, like a Mormon kid like who's excited to go on mission. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's just there to have fun and make friends. And have a, He's not a this haircut. isn't a reality show. Like the oh, worst geez. haircut. For um, the longest time too, I thought that the the dude on the right who we actually see talk in this episode, it, um, I think we opened with the dude saying like, "Ah, where's the cure? I've been waiting here for days." I thought that was an actual Morlock. I thought cuz it's mm. he's kind of he or she is kind of dressed similar to one of them that was in the Morlock episode. I think I think that apparently is apparently not. It's not a Morlock. I thought it was a Morlock. Oh, it might be. Yeah, yeah. it kind of looks like it, but I, I can't really tell. Yeah, I think I think I think that is one of the Morlocks. Um, 
Even though the one that's dressed like is, is Table Boy, and it's not Table Boy. So, uh, you know, Table Boy does not need to get cured. Just just one episode without mentioning a good Table Boy, <laughs> No, that's all, all I'm asking. <laughs> table Boy will never die. Um... Yeah. So so anyway, uh, Warren uh, gets the treatment, and like this is like genuinely kind of a foreboding scene, you know, because we know what's going on, but Warren doesn't. There's this dramatic irony, and uh, he's like, "This may be uncomfortable," you know, and uh, it looks just really painful. Um, yeah, and, Miss, and Mystique pulls the dick move of actually like <clears throat> shape shifting back into Mystique right before she pulls the trigger. Yeah. On this thing. So he right before this like horrible mutation machine hits him laser beam hits him like he's like oh fuck what did i do wrong i should have vetted this guy yeah it's, it's super scary something's very similar to this happens in um deadpool in the deadpool movie uh, it's like the same kind of thing though where like somebody thinks they're getting signing up for one thing and they're signing up for another and they have that this moment of oh fuck uh kind of thing and th- so you're saying you're saying this is the boring middle chapter of this episode <laughs> like it was in deadpool <laughs> uh yeah kind of i mean this episode never ends up like it has a couple goofy things but it never ends up fulfilling the heights Great. that I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's really painful. But it just makes me think that, like, all Angel... You know, so Warren Worthington has two mutations. He has wings and he has hollow bones. Those are the two things he has. And, like, you, f- it really feels like you could surgically remove these wings. Like, out of all the mutants to get a cure for mutation, th- this would be the one. Because the, the storyline this is based on in the comics, like, he has no interest in curing his mutation. His wings get like roughed up and he does this to kind of get them back like mm-hmm. he, he wants his wings out of all the mutants in the world to like want to get rid of their mutant power like Warren Worthington makes the least sense here yeah and he even in the in the first episode like he actually said like went to his girl like oh you don't want to be with me like I don't want, I, I can't nobody can love me and I'm like dude again rich male model lives in a chalet yeah <laughs> okay you have wings i'm sorry i guess yeah. i can deal with weird wing sex every once in a while <laughs> you, bad. you can find a lady who's into your wing sex dude like absolutely 100 percent deviant art yeah <laughs> just go to deviant art. yeah you can give the hollow bone to a lady i guarantee it like <laughs> oh man um, given the hollow bone Ooh, that's bad yeah so, so apocalypse is just like hey you know you are going to take take over you're going to be my horseman he's doing this uh his villain speech because he never stops villain speeching that's his secret he's like he's like hulk like he's always villain speeching um, <laughs> that's his secret and uh, i like I actually like the design of archangel like this this weird purple like metal blade thing i know that's very 90s and i know it's like it really appeals to 13 year old jay but like mm-hmm. that's that's my jam like i really i really like that whole design it's i think it's way better than like red suit white piping wings normal wings angel so. i i actually kind of like the simplicity of the red suit angel with just a little halo as the symbol like i'm, I'm kind of a sucker for superheroes that have like a symbol on their chest like that that's okay. not like a you know their name i kind of like that uh but i like archangel too and uh he was this was he's an amazing uh when i used to i think i've mentioned this on the show but if i haven't um i used to own a complete at the time set of the marvel legends action figures um several several hundred of them like i collected those wow. for a very long time and seriously and yeah. and sold them all for as much money as i paid uh, which never happens, but I just happened to be able to sell them to in a lot to a guy in South America for $4,000 uh, when I got divorced. So that paid for me to move out and stuff. Um, and it was kind of cool. But the action figure for Archangel is amazing. Like, the, like he looks really cool. Those metal wings look really cool. It must have been a pain in the ass to draw because it's these me- all these individual metal feathers. Um, but he looks really... Like, it's a, it's a super cool action figure, and he has a really, like, 
pretty bad, really 90s, but pretty badass design. So I mostly agree with you, even though I kind of like the, the red costume too. And he's kind of done a, a thing where he's done split the difference, where he's had the metal wings and the red costume before, mm-hmm. and that's kind of uh, both of our, our sons combined. <laughs> uh, don't don't bring up the sun meme. I, I, can't, I, I can't handle any sun memes. <laughs> I, I, no, I hate to destroy destroy you, but the uh, we recorded the Warcraft three episode and it shows up in that one too because it was only two days Excellent. after <laughs> the, the portal episode. <laughs> I still got that the meme on the brain. Um, so I didn't bring up the meme. I was just referring to Archangel as our son. That is, yes. uh, it's not the meme. That, that's a new Absolutely. that's a new Absolutely meme. Um, <laughs> the uh, so so we flash over to uh, from the last episode uh, to the bar. And uh, there's a bunch of mutants here waiting to get cured. And the X-Men mm-hmm. just chilling out, as we mentioned, having drinks, because, like, what else are they going to do? Just wait for more stuff to happen. It's Muir Island. They shut down the movie theater for being too demonic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a good place to hang out. There's nothing fun here to do in this town. Muir Island is ridiculous. Um, and, and Warren Worthington shows up and is just like, hey, they cured me. And the, here's the thing, is he says he, he's cured. Uh, he's still just wearing his jacket. Like, we have no idea that there's no wings under there. Like, anybody could say this. Also, the first episode made this seem like a secret, right? Like, it was like I remember Mystique asking uh, Apocalypse, like, how did you know he was a mutant? And then he was like, I know all things. So I guess these people just all knew Warren Worthington was a mutant, too. Yeah, he, it seemed like a secret. Like, it seemed like he, you know, he's one of the few, like, X-Men who actually lives, like, a double life, you know? Um, or X-Men-related characters. Uh, and so they, everyone, he's like, it works, it works, I'm here to tell you it works. Uh and everyone goes apeshit. Like, yeah, everybody's the- really excited and just like, oh man, me next, me next, me next. Yep. Um, so every- everyone wants it. Um, we get a little little spotlight on some of these individual mutants that are going to be kind of important, including one sad skinny lady who makes a flower wilt when she touches it on accident. It's foreshadowing. Which, hey, hey Gary, if you have a whole bar and your mutant power is to make flowers wilt... Why the fuck are you sitting at the table with flowers? <laughs> like, go, go sit at the bar where there's no flowers around. You giant asshole. <laughs> well, there's peanuts there. She would have made wilt. So she would have no, like, like, touched the bowl and, and turned into a creamy bowl of peanut butter just by like touching it. Her, her and famine need to change places is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, her, her and famine have uh, a lot of problems, uh, which we, we will get to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I like this scene because too because Cyclops rolls up on Warren and says, you know, oh, being a mutant, it should be a. I don't remember what he says, but he's all proud of it. And uh, Warren says, "Look me in the eye when you say that." And I'm like, man, the dude's name is Cyclops. Don't set him up for these. <laughs> he's in costume too. Like it's not like you, you should know, buddy. <laughs> he might as well have a third eye on his chest at this point. <clears throat> I, I, can, I can get down with that. Um, I know. Yeah. Some of the chronology here kind of throws me off. Like, the mutants, is this where they start showing up for this? So, thing? no. Um, so, they flash back at, during this scene. Um, it kind of zooms out, and we realize that Apocalypse and... Well, at this point, yeah, it zooms out, and Apocalypse starts talking about how Mystique does a really good job of impersonating Warren. So, that's how we realize, oh, that's that's who the Warren at the yes, is. Right. And then Archangel walks up, and we see, like, the full metal wings and everything. And Archangel says, I'm not Warren anymore. And then does this thing that um, a, a movie that I recently watched, and I know you did too, uh, The Thing does, where he just blows up some like kind of important equipment yeah. for no reason. <laughs> Every, everyone destroying... Well, this is right before they, they all bust a hole in his roof uh, True. To, to leave. Like, this is, nobody, no respect for property. I know that's a superhero no thing, but like property. honestly, you have to hang out there. Like It, it seems more egregious in this cartoon than anywhere else. Yeah, um, at this point, you still have to convince mutants to get in this machine, and if they walk in and see, like, half of <laughs> yeah, that shit raining, because it's never not raining on your <laughs> island, like, 
I imagine some of this equipment's sensitive. Uh, so yeah, at that point, that's when um, that's, this is when the montage starts. Yes, so, uh, we get this big long um, like voice over thing with apocalypse, and I'll probably cut some of that in here because it's really great. Each generation has cried out for a new world. Box has built the same old one, corrupt and weak. But the new world shall come to pass. I will purge the earth of these benighted humans. Take the food from their mouths. Ah, no! Oh, please. Oh, food. Oh, help. Food. I need please. food. Please help. Turn their weapons against them. War shall be their destruction! This is when we can see these three mutants from the bar converted into his horsemen of the apocalypse. Yes. And so that's, we've got Death, who he's named, Angel is the only one important enough to, or excuse me, Archangel is the only one important enough to have two names, apparently. Yeah. The other ones are just War, Famine, and Pestilence, who, yeah, like we said earlier, are these mutants that we briefly had a spotlight on in the bar. Well, he was, and, um, and then, he's the only one who had a name before. So that's why he that's has two true. names. yeah. But also, um, I guess part of this mutant conversion therapy is everybody but Archangel gets a horse. They, that, I, know, I know they're named horsemen. Like I get that, but they get. It's not just horses. They're like the metal flying horses from He Man. <laughs> like these, <laughs> they're so weird. They're specific horses. It's really, really strange. It doesn't look like it's from uh, X Men at all. No, it doesn't. It looks like some weird Dragon Riders of Pern fan fiction bullshit or yeah. something. I don't even. I don't even know what this is. It, it is. It is unreasonable. Um, so, so I, I just re- I remember now that, like, for some reason, going through the uh, uh, X Men, um, that's definitely one of the Morlocks because she gets, uh, like, she she in the Morlock episode, the one that is Pestilence, um, gives one of the X Men plague. Uh, in, oh yeah, remember, Gambit, like, Gambit like, got the plague. Yeah, yeah that, that's that that Morlock. So this is definitely one of the Morlocks. But okay. we get the other three okay. uh, three horsemen. Uh, Archangel is death. You know, as we know, who can fly and shoot uh, his feathers at things. Um, they blow up in the cartoon. In the comics, they're coated in uh, deadly neurotoxin. Um, the uh, War, who is the one with the bull haircut, um, here he just kind of can do whatever. Um, like at one point he telekinetically controls missiles, and at another point he causes explosions. In the uh, the comics, he's like a he has a reason for it. He's like a war vet who is paralyzed from the waist down, and uh, Apocalypse fixes him. And when he claps, it causes explosions, and that that's his power in the comics. Um, Pestilence, who we mentioned, who's a, a Morlock who can make people sick, give them the plague, and Famine, who can kind of like destroy food and drain, like make people super hungry, like starve people with her energy, which is a really crazy kind of scary idea if you think about it. Like, just suck the nutrients from your blood. If, if you're wondering where all this stuff sounds familiar, it's because you out there, just like me, continually watch Supernatural, and you've seen all of these people on the Shoot for Supernatural TV show. Is, is that true? Which is horrible, and you shouldn't watch it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. There, there's, there's a there's a four horseman, horseman uh, arc on the show where oh they use God. the same things. Where they see it's almost exactly the same thing, and like they to to defeat them, they have to like go collect their rings. Like it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> what? <laughs> they go collect their rings. I'm say, I'm telling you, man. They have to collect the four rings of the horsemen of the apocalypse. It is ridiculous. Oh, that's dumb. 
Send me send me your supernatural questions. I'll answer anything. <laughs> oh, that, that's that is unreasonable. I don't care for that. So uh, then they flash to uh, back to I guess Rogue Jean Grey. This is kind of confusing to me because I, I thought for a minute that this was at the at the bar, but we haven't seen. I didn't realize Gambit was kid come to Muir Island with them, but Jean is there hanging out. But it kind of also looks like it could be in the mansion. Like I'm very confused where this this whole where they're playing pool at. I guess it's got to be in the at the bar, right? Well, it's, it's so you think that, but then Storm's joke makes me think it's at the mansion. So I don't know, but keep in mind that they can they can zip between these things in about forty five minutes. Yeah. So it could, it could be like Gene could have just the, like, con- the continents have not separated yet. This is Eurasia. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's Pan- yeah, Pangea. The um, Pangea. That's what it is. So, so uh, like you know, Jean Grey could have read like a chapter of a book and, and flown back here. Um, but they, they just have to. Uh, so while the horsemen are off doing their thing, um, they had to have establish uh, Gambit being kind of grosser to I guess give Rogue motivation further. Um, but yeah, he. I guess like so. Is, is there a motivation that oh wow, there's always these creepy dudes that want to mac on me, so I should be able to do like give them what they want? Like I don't understand this I, at all. I don't know. It is because yeah. she definitely wants to kiss people again. Like it is, it's gross. I don't think she necessarily wants to kiss Gambit because Gambit's a real fucking creeper uh, in the cartoon version. But like she is not anti kissing. Like it is not. Rogue loves kissing, as we have previously established. Like that's Rogue. She just can't, and that's why she's complicated. Uh, it, yeah. And to give you an idea on how creepy Gambit is, there's a really unfortunate line delivery that I, I want you and your Gambit voice to read for me because I can't <laughs> yeah. do a good Gambit voice. Yeah, he, he says, uh, you know, she's like, God damn it, I will drain your energy, you fucking moron. And he goes, uh, you can drain my energy anytime, Cher. Gambit has plenty. <laughs> like the way he says plenty is so oh, gross. It's so gross. He's definitely talking about his balls being full of sperm. It's so funny. Definitely gross. talking about sperm. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> he's asked to be talking about sperm. Yeah, because again, he doesn't. He has like a like a third grader's understanding of sex. Like he just like <laughs> a, a man kisses a woman until he puts energy into her, and then six weeks later, a baby comes out of her mouth. That's what Gambit thinks <laughs> the human reproductive system is. <laughs> like, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put my sperm energy into your mouth with my tongue. Yeah, and then <laughs> he has he just has no understanding for somebody who like. It's it's just like uh, in What Hot American Summer for somebody who acts like they have sex this much they clearly have not had sex, like he does not understand <laughs> a damn thing. Um, so he's he's doing this and he's just like being a shithead and uh, Rogue's friends are not like being solid bros at all about this. Like they could just like hey hey buddy, take it goddamn outside you know like put it in your pants. But instead they're all just kind of whispering to Rogue like don't let him get to you. And uh, Gambit is going to take it this pool shot. The way he does it is he charges the tip of his cue. Uh, which, as far as I know, just makes things explode. So I have <laughs> no idea what his plan was. He's going to blow up the cue ball, right? Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> like, and then, but then uh, Jean Grey makes him scratch the table uh, here instead, which, like, he was going to blow up the fucking table. But she, she makes him, you know, just kind of scratch it a little bit. And then Storm gets a one-liner, because everyone's making jokes in this episode, uh, where Storm's like, just because it is a wreck room does not mean you need to wreck it. And it's like okay, it's like the splinter at the end of a turtles movie. Good, good job, Storm. Good job. Yep. I think the Gambit's like, wow, even Storm has jokes. Yeah, go. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, what? Where are you people? <laughs> yeah. What is this? <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, so Storm is watching TV, and of course, she's watching the news because she's super boring. And um, it's yeah. in Paris. There's the nuclear disarmament it's talks. The, it's the world and, peace uh, talks. Very topical. It's, right? it's, it's uh, the, yeah the world peace talks because after uh, it shows that apocalypse is kind of. Uh, taking this over Rogue gets to make her joke because everyone's making jokes she says more like the world war talks and like <laughs> guys people are dying 
way cooler with this yeah. shit. What, what are you like? Are you, you're you're supposed to be a superhero. You know that, right? You're not a terrorist. Yeah. Did you not get the memo? Yeah. Why, why are you making Joker one-liners? Um, the uh, so this cu- it cuts to this this montage of uh, uh, the the horsemen doing shit here, which is pretty great. Um, I really like the uh, the famine one. Where it is like these two French people are, are going on a, on a uh, uh, th- I mean this this could be a little bit later too I might get the chronology but the um fam- the, these two French people are, are on a wagon and famine zaps them and then they just like the longest animation ever like turn into starving zombie Frenchmen and yep. it, this shot goes on forever until eventually the camera is in their mouth like it just goes <laughs> way really longer bad. than you think. Um, and it's then, super bad. And you feel I feel really bad because those actors, like the actors, just like, um, oh, you're starving to death. And they're probably like, oh, cool. Do I have to like, what do I have to do? Like three seconds, four seconds? They're like, no, no, no. Like forty five seconds. Like give me forty five <laughs> seconds of ADR of like starving to death. So these two guys are just like, ah, ah, I'm so hungry. Food, ah, ooh, food, ouch, ooh. Like they, and they just do that forever. <laughs> like it goes on for way too long. Uh, I don't know why I've got a Arrested Development on the brain, but uh, what's his name? Uh, Tobias. Doing the uh, it's a fire sale routine in this during the voice acting call would just be fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're starving to death. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right before this, before we see the little horseman montage, we do get a great clip of Apocalypse um, because, like, this dude is giving a speech saying how we need to, you know, we, world peace is good, but mutants are out there which are bad. Like, it's a real basic boilerplate thing. And then the camera goes up and looks at three gargoyles out of a Batman cartoon mm-hmm. and. All of a sudden, one starts talking in like the <laughs> apocalypse voice, and then he just turns into apocalypse. Like I'm like, what is your? How long were you there? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's <laughs> been, been there all for years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, apocalypse has the dumbest powers. <clears throat> yeah, yep, yep. So yeah, it, there's a bunch of fighting going back and forth. We see, um, well, I think War goes to a military base and uses missiles to blow up some planes. Um, I'm trying to remember what Archangel does. He does. Oh, he goes to the dam. Archangel goes to the dam and doesn't blow up the dam, but blows up the power generator, which cracks the dam. I guess. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which is fine. And then, um, yeah, that's all. That's all fine. And Pestilence is running around doing Pestilence things. Um, the X Men show up, and then there's a fight. I think. Um, yes. I'm trying to remember exactly how this breaks up, breaks down. They they, they fight at the at the at the Paris World Peace Accord, kind of mm-hmm. thing, um, and the. Uh, it's essentially just kind of like they don't, because maybe they fight twice though. Because this might be the one where like pestilence uh, is cut, heading f- for them, and they're and they say like, "Oh, she must not touch us." And then Storm summons fog to stop her. Yes, like the idea is maybe she'll yes. get lost. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's just super weird. Um, oh, I know. What, so they were watching TV. They. Xavier dispatches the team to go to Paris and then says, Rogue, you go to back to Muir Island, which, oh, yeah. again, I thought Rogue was already at Muir Island. I don't, I don't <laughs> understand the anyone? geography. Well, the, the mansion uh, is on Muir Island. They just have, they're just now revealing it. It's in Roche- Rochester, <clears throat> Mur- Muir Island. So. <laughs> Rochester, Muir Island. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Xavier's school for the gifted and wayward boys yes. is what's <laughs> happening right there. Yep, yep. Um, so yeah, X-Men show up, they fight, Rogue goes back and confronts Dr. Adler, um, discovers basically ties Dr. Adler to the mutation machine and threatens to zap him with it, which, hey, Rogue, again, you're a superhero. That's not cool. <laughs> yep. yep. She, maybe, <laughs> and, we don't know if she was actually going to do it. Yeah. I mean, I guess there was a, a thing, but um, 
Adler turns into Mystique, and Mystique says, oh, there's a secret base that Apocalypse has, um, and it's underneath Stonehenge, and then says, you know, in England. That like, is, oh, that Stonehenge. Okay, I love that, gotcha. that Apocalypse has a secret command center under Stonehenge. That's so good. Um, yeah, probably the most investigated place on Earth. Yeah. I'm going to put my base underneath it. <laughs> There's just so many tourists there, like, all the time. Like, uh, the, <laughs> Apocalypse, like, instead of, like, rising from the Earth every hundred years, he rises from the Earth every time there doesn't happen to be a tourist there, which just works out to about every hundred years. Every um, hundred years, yeah. I'm going to put my secret base underneath the Apple store in San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, uh, Mystique escapes. By, by shooting shooting rogue and the x-men show up and uh this is where that that thing is where, where storm stops pestilence with fog and uh, uh you know it's just kind of a long fight here but and none of this really makes any sense to me like they're just like kind of throwing stuff at each other basically yeah it doesn't like it's not very much of a it's not very much of a fight like it, it's it's hard to tell what's going on where anything is in space um the horsemen are very clearly outmatched like archangel is legit but everyone else is rank amateurs because you know apocalypse's plan of just giving anybody who walks in powers and entrusting them to to enact all of his plans are are pretty misguided yeah and at some point had to tell them plans besides or just say like go blow up some shit i don't know you're pestilence go pestle with something (laughs) eventually they fight him off the horsemen take off and uh and rogue shows up with apocalypse at at stonehenge and is going to fight and then the x-men show up to to back him up and uh, they get into a fight. Um, you know, Archangel is here. Uh, before this, he shows up and says, hey, we were defeated. We're unworthy. And that's the only real line that, like, gives you Apocalypse's entire thing, um, which is that, you know, it's a survival of the fittest. Like, that's his whole mm-hmm. thing, but they haven't really talked about it until until this. And they don't really talk about it here, because, like, if you didn't know the history, you could totally just miss that yeah, entirely. Yeah, like, 100%. not understand what's going on. Um so they, uh, Rogue steals Archangel's powers, which causes him to become Warren again for a little bit. And he takes out the rest of the horsemen, um, so Apocalypse gathers them up. The way he leaves is, and, and <laughs> you have this in the notes, and it's really worth mentioning, is Wolverine dives at him, he steps onto a platform, sinks into the ground, fast enough, like just takes an elevator down so Wolverine misses him. Wolverine lands on the ground in a different spot and just starts stabbing it. Yes. Like, he's just I mean, trying what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing, you idiot? Like, these two episodes, in fact, these three episodes are not very good for Wolverine. Like, we're, this episode is like the anti-Wolverine episode. <laughs> like. <laughs> Between pouty, angry Wolverine and the previous episode, and now this guy, he's basically, I don't think he does anything. This is his only Wolverine. scene in this episode. Yeah, yeah, he, he just gets to stab the ground, and then prior to the X-Men Wolverine, which, like, that's a whole thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, uh, apparently at some point Rogue explains, or Warren explains that, yeah, or no, Rogue says, I took I took the evil from you, which <laughs> my understanding of Rogue's powers wasn't that you could steal traits, like you steal mutant powers. Yeah. Like, that's, that's your whole jam. Like, you, <laughs> maybe like some memories. You shake hands with, with Rogue in order to be like, to quit smoking, you know, or to be less lazy. <laughs> like it doesn't, like she's not a life coach. And if you can take the evil out of somewhere, again, you're grossly misusing your powers there's way better things that you could be doing as a superhero like i don't know you're in the early 90s like go take the evil from saddam hussein maybe avoid yeah. all that yep yeah. <laughs> or ronald reagan i don't care which one one of the bushes if you're if you're gonna do um it. yeah yeah um and that's pretty much it right like at this point we're we're kind of done um with these two episodes and this plot line for a little while if i remember right like i don't I don't remember if Apocalypse comes back until the next season, or does he come back at the end of this end of this season? I think he's a villain in the next season, but I could be wrong. 
I might have uh, that might be a mistake. He might show up at the end of this one because I think the end of the season is about is about Sentinels. Okay. Um, again, but I'll, I will have to revisit. Um, but before we move on, tune to in our, next time. Yeah, tune in next time. <laughs> uh, before we move on to our next thing, we have our, our character spotlight. And this time we're going to be talking about Angel, a.k.a. Warren Worthington. And um, this is kind of a hard one for me because I, I don't particularly like Angel that much. <laughs> and I guess we can spend like five or ten minutes just making fun of him. But um, <laughs> I, ca- I, I caught up with some recent X-Men stuff. And um, I guess like spoilers if you haven't been reading X-Men for the last two years. But also who cares because mm-hmm. it's the X-Men. Um, like they brought back the 60s X-Men into mm-hmm. the current timeline. So now there's there's two Cyclops. There's... I think one and a half Jean Greys or something. Like, there's two Icemen. Icemans? Mm-hmm. Ices Man? I don't, I, I don't know what the pluralization yep. there is. Um, I'm like, Isis Man is an entirely different <laughs> supervillain. It's a different... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a bad Mega Man game, is what that is. Um, yeah. Anyway, and Warren's very boring in all of this stuff. Like, as much... Like, you would think having two of them there, and one is kind of a shell-shocked literal angel or something. I don't... Man, I... Oh, so he, I found it hard to care. He's, he's hard to care about. The reason why we're doing him this episode rather than Rogue where the, is because Rogue will have a highlight episode later. This is just kind of, this is Warren Worthington's thing. You know, like this is, this is as close as, uh, as, as, as he can get to, to being spotlightable for our purposes. Um, yeah, I never really got into Angel either. Um, as I mentioned before, they try to make him more interesting uh, power-wise um, a little bit later, and they do this by giving him like healing blood. They like lean into this angel stuff in this Chuck Austin run. I think that power still remains canon. So like, if you drink Angel's blood, it will heal you, uh, which is fucking weird. Um, but mostly, healing he just blood is just like the worst plot device. Yeah, healing, <laughs> healing blood. Um, he, it's like a Hawkman, you know, where it's just like you have this whole team full of people who can do cool shit, and many of whom can fly, and then you have one person who can just fly. Does he fly better than anyone else? No. Does he? Does he do anything else? Not really. Like he, he's just not. And personality-wise, he fits in in a weird spot, right? Because like Cyclops makes a lot of uh, the original five. Cyclops makes tons of sense. Jean Grey makes tons of sense. Iceman is the uh, like the goofy little kid, like younger brother, and Beast is like the nerdy other, older brother. And like Warren is supposed to be like the preppy guy, but they never really kept with that because it's not an archetype that like gets used very often and they didn't want to make him an antagonist like nobody likes the rich preppy guy you know it's hard to have a, a hero that is the rich preppy guy so he kind of became this he's kind of just friends with everybody he's kind of just a good guy he's a little bit more hot-tempered than cyclops but he doesn't really hold a strong place on the team personality wise or power wise at least in the original, the original yeah five. and he i mean he's to me, again, he's just kind of a boring character. He has a boring power. Like no, nobody is going to sit around and go, "Man, I wish I had wings." Oh, I, I bet you people <laughs> do all the time. But like, it, you know, people want want to fly. That's like their thing, you know. And and but I mean, like, if you're looking at mutant powers, like I, maybe I just want to fly. Like I can fly without wings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like exactly. there's just there's a way easier to there's way easier direction to point B besides wings. His so, his yeah. back must be totally fucked up from sleeping on his stomach all the time. Oh my god! Like he, right? That man has never slept on his back. Like. Unless he sleeps like 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 a bird, like he sleeps like crouched on a on a pole, you know, like you you could do a version of him that would be great if he was like really you know leaned into this bird stuff and was real fucking weird. 
and you know? he was nesting at some point. Like one day you he was just going around picking beast fur. Yeah, yes. <laughs> like and then just a the little thing comes out. He's like, "What? What do I feed you?" You know, <laughs> like and does he walk yeah. it on him regurgitating like into it? I want to son. I want to see him talking to his son. Like you don't want to love me. I have wings, and the bird and the son is just sitting there going, <laughs> <laughs> "Tell me." <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was it was gross. always hard to get, hard to get into him growing up yeah. too. Like it was not my favorite character either. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is uh, Pride of the X Men, uh, X Men Pride of the X Men as it's uh, formerly known, which is an animated television pilot originally broadcast in 1989 on the Marvel Action Universe Television Block, featuring Marvel Comics mutant superheroes the X Men. Uh, the plot aired infrequently in syndication and was later released on video um, and served as the basis for Konami's X-Men arcade game. Um, so funding for this pilot uh, actually came from the budget for RoboCop, which is real weird, and uh, the RoboCop the Animated Series. So instead of making a 13th episode of RoboCop, uh, Marvel Productions decided to use that funding to have Toei Animation produce the animation for this pilot, uh, which, like, spoiler, the animation's probably the best part of this. Um, yep. Like, for the most part, it looks pretty good, uh, even though it is stupid. Um, I, really, I really like the idea of Marvel Productions using this funding because I just want, really want someone to say, actually, it's about ethics and animation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also like the, the RoboCop animated series Slush Fund. I, I saw, like, you know how it is boring to relay tweets that you've seen, but mm-hmm. uh, there's, there was a funny tweet I saw recently where it was like, uh, it, was, it was set up as a dialogue, and it was like, uh, uh, you're a bad girl, aren't you? And then the response was, this is hot and everything, but can we just fast forward to the part where we're torrenting the RoboCop animated series? (laughs) 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 I think it's a very funny relationship tweet. Um, Excellent. Yeah, yeah, but this is is incredible. I didn't watch the version that has Spider-Man says vote in the beginning. Um, Oh, you didn't? No, no. I think that's that's just a rip of the VHS, but you can find just kind of clean copies of it um, here. Um, Has a really good theme song that you should you should do some cutting in of. Oh, oh, I definitely will be will be cutting in the theme song because it has lyrics. That's the best yeah, part about yeah. it. Like it's it's got a full like set of lyrics and it's just great. No place to hide, no place to run, no place to run. The mutant age has now begun. It's bad, it's bad. This is a day, this is a day. It's bad, it's bad. Coming your way. Magneto's horns are all the way to pillage, burn, and plunder. It's really, really good. Um, this introduction is amazing. Like the acting in this is really good. Like we get we get Stanley in the beginning, being Stanley, and it's like, whose side are you on, Stanley? Like he he's you know, look around you. There may be <laughs> mutants around you, and, he, and it's like, well, are you trying to make us not like mutants? Are you trying to make us like mutants? What is the idea? Is this about tolerance, or is this about like there could be a commie anywhere? What is uh, that? What is that exercise that if you replace a word that you're trying to use with a like an actual group of people and it sounds racist, then you should probably shouldn't be using the yeah. word to begin with. And yeah. if you replace the word mutant with black or women, yeah, in, <laughs> like look around you, some of these people could be women. Like yep. that's bad, Stanley. Rewrite your shit. <laughs> he, he's he's doing doing terrible, and it starts off like kind of a medias race. Like they're they're hauling Magneto somewhere. They have him caught. These government guys are incredible. Like, this is some of my favorite oh, voice man. acting in the special, where they're just kind of like, mutants, I hate them. 
<laughs> These are the conversations they're having. Like just the standing colonel around. He, oh man, that guy. The mutant. colonel sounds. Ex- he, he sounds exactly like mutant. the uh, like uh, Brock Sampson's boss in The Venture Brothers in oh, the OSI. Yeah. yeah, he sounds exactly like that guy. Hunter like to Gathers. the point where I looked it up and was like, "Is it the same dude? Like, can't be the same guy." This is twenty years later. <laughs> It is uh, it is insane, you know, and nobody is reacting with, like, you know, things are going to shit, right? Like, Magneto starts escaping. Um, the White Queen is using her psychic powers to make the, the floor melt, the ground melt, and nobody is freaking out. Like, as he's he's dying, the colonel guy's like, mutant! He's a stinking mutant! Which we know. And they don't deserve to live on this planet! And it's like, they're, he's gonna kill you. Like, leave. He's gonna kill you. Uh, and then as they're sink- they're reporting that the- they're sinking into the ground, there's a really nice touch where uh, they're- they're- he's like, no, they're not. And, he- and then the, uh, the radio that the colonel is on gets sucked under the, the quicksand and goes like, oh, yeah, which is not Which is not real. Nope. So, like, props to the White Queen for, like, making some auditory hallucinations happen. And, like, that's some Grant Morrison White Queen <laughs> shit. I love that. <laughs> very, very, very detailed. Um, so, essentially, that's just, you know, that's Magneto escaping. Yeah, and right. by the way, just White Queen's voice actor right here. Like, I don't know what they were going for. Like, I, it's so bad. They, they had... She sounds... She, go ahead. Or I was just going to say, they have no idea what they're doing with any voice acting in no, this thing. Not at all. Like, <laughs> there's a couple of them that are passable. But this this is this is so, so bad. And then, so then we cut to Kitty Pride showing up at the mansion um, with this, this letter from Xavier uh, that he narrates. And this again is really, really good. Like really bad where the, uh, the, the taxi, she's like, um, you know, uh, will you wait for here for me? And the taxi guys, like, I'm getting out of here. Like everybody has these weird pauses in the middle of their speech. The direction's really off. And then she's mm-hmm. like, I'm scared too. Like <laughs> Kitty pride's voice actress is, is she's like way, way, way a little powerless kid. Yeah, they they obviously directed the voice actress to say, um, "Hey, you're a, you're a 13 year old girl getting to school for the first time," but then they drew and animated her like an 18 year old <laughs> grown woman. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a weird thing. Um, and uh, Xavier, one of my like this, uh, yeah, my friend Derek still quote this to this day. This uh, Xavier doing this really clumsy exposition where he's like, "It's come to my attention you have a mutant power. I believe you call it phasing." And like, does she? Like, is, yeah, did she come up with that? Yeah, or is that just something that that you have come up with? There's a great moment too, where when she walks in and she sees um, what Xavier calls a psychic projection, which he's going to use to lead. Because he, I guess he can't be bothered to come to the fucking front door. <laughs> yeah. But she said sure she has wheels, the, dog. Like she, exactly, like the, the house is wheelchair friendly. Yeah. It's yours. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she says, like, there's things in this letter that I haven't told anybody, not even my parents. How did you know? And he's like, oh, it was totally Cerebro. And I'm like, are you sure you haven't been prying into this 13-year-old girl's mind, Savior? I, you dirty little pervert. I guarantee he has. He also does this little pretty twirl in his wheelchair. Then when he has to show off, he does this, like, like a little little spin uh, as he psychically projects the uh, the X-Men's power set. Their they're sizzle reel into her brain. Yeah, this is this is good stuff too because um, and at this point where he brings her to the danger room because it's an X Men show. Yes, um, and if you know if the mansion's not ex- not exploded, we have to have a danger room. Otherwise, if the mansion is exploded, we have to have the building scene that we talked about in yes. the last episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is the the team here. I think is really interesting, and what they're doing is just fascinating to me. So first up is Cyclops because it can't be X Men without Cyclops, and we're the danger room is set to. I guess be in ancient Egypt. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> like, it's like a Mayan temple with plant monsters. 
Yeah, it's really weird. Like, and um, so we have Cyclops, and then we go to Dazzler. Or no, with Cyclops, and then Colossus. Uh, yep. And the animation here with Colossus it's is great. Fantastic. Yeah, where he's running down the yeah, hallway towards is, us. Yeah, it's really yeah, good. This is, this is some really good stuff. And then um, Dazzler, who we see fighting the aforementioned plant monsters, which, I mean... I like Dazzler as a character. I think her mutant power is a little weird, but I like her as a character. Um, I think her mutant I, power is super cool, even though this just turns into lasers. Like, yeah, she doesn't have to make any noise, like, in, in, the, in here. So, Dazzler, for people who don't know, because she's not particularly, like, popular, is uh, she can turn sound into light. And uh, that's a super cool power. In the, even in the arcade game, she at least shouts when she throws her gigantic, like, power bomb. I would have thing. liked this a lot better if the uh, if the plant monsters were screeching at her the entire. That would be awesome. Like, and she turned like, it back like on something them? out of Bloodborne or Silent yeah, Hill or something. That'd been awesome. And then we get uh, Nightcrawler, who is just being Nightcrawler. Everybody knows that dude. Mm-hmm. And then um, the last member is. Or, so we get Wolverine. Wolverine, yeah. Uh, Brown and then the last Wolverine, member, which I love. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then Storm, who's, who has whose a really, powers really cool we still knight. don't understand, according to nope. uh, Xavier. <laughs> Yeah, don't we just don't fully understand? I'm like, no, I think we we got it. Yeah, we we I understand it. I can explain it to you. You you already <laughs> yeah, said let, it. You have it right. I can I can I can probably quote the back of the trading card <laughs> that explains it like pretty pretty well. Xavier, yeah. where are you at? Um, so he introduces everybody and kind of what their power sets are, and um, you know, goes to Cyclops and says, "Hey, Cyclops, I want some. I want you to meet somebody." Nightcrawler teleports up there, but could be a Nightcrawler, and scares the shit out of this thirteen-year-old girl who's never seen a blue elf in her entire life. Well, Nightcrawler is kind of the gambit of this episode. Like, he's not—I don't think he's necessarily Pervin, but he's also not self-aware enough to like understand that, like, dude, this could be scary. Like, is this—is this the first time you've met anyone? Like, does he not know he looks like that? Um, <laughs> Nightcrawler has never seen a mirror. He just yeah. assumes everybody. He just, he's assumed he just looks like everybody else. Yeah, I mean that, that's what it seems like in this. It is ridiculous. Like, dude, you you're scary. It's okay. You're and still like, a good person. You're in the you're in this was I think eighty something. What do we say? Um, Nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. Like, what are you doing trying to kiss somebody's hand? Like, what what century are you from? <laughs> Don't do that. He's and he's got the Germanist accent. Uh, that is because everybody leans into their accent really hard in this. Um, Cyclops' voice is actually pretty good, I think. Um, that, that's, Cyclops is alright. That sounds um, like Cyclops to me. Um, Professor X actually sounds fine. Yeah, um, he's he's whatever. Colossus, uh, but is, Nightcrawler scares Kitty, and then he she falls backwards, and that's where she beats the rest of the X Men. That's where we start hearing all these people. Oh yeah, she phases through the computer because that's her other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so so Colossus is really like, da, he's good, you know. <laughs> and then uh, Storm more or less sounds like Storm. It's fine. But then we get to Wolverine. Uh, oh my God, Wolverine! <laughs> and the, so the story of his accent. So there's there's kind of a twin mystery here. The story of his accent is because he was Australian in the Spider Man and His Amazing Friends. Uh, cartoon. Okay. So for some reason they just—it's like they made a mistake and decided to roll with it. That's fine. The reason why he acts like this, I have no fucking clue. Like just because he's Australian does not mean he shouldn't be able to like growl out an entire word. Like he's <laughs> choking with anger on everything he says. To where you know she shows up and she's like, "Hi, I'm Kitty Pride," and everyone's really happy. And he just starts like incoherently mumbling about like, "No kids," you know, just uh, like going into a rage gasm. Fräulein, you left before I could properly welcome you. Welcome her. Wait, she's not drawn in the X-Men, is she? She's just a kid. It's really weird, man. He's just so angry at the sight of this, like, I guess, kid. Like, right? Like, she's supposed to be, like, a 16-year-old girl at this point. Like, and he's really, really angry at her. 
for no reason whatsoever. And that accent, Gary, it is so god-awful. Even for, like, if you're going to make him Australian, make him Australian, lean into it, but oh my god. <laughs> it, it's, he's, it's like he's, it feels like in Australia this would be a racist accent. Or like an offensive <laughs> accent. Like, this would be used by Australian people to make fun of somebody. You know? Um, yeah. Woof, woof, woof. I got, I got totally distracted. I don't even know where we are in the story anymore because his <laughs> accent is so bad. And I'm, I'll cut some uh, audio samples of that throughout this because it's, if you're not going to go to YouTube and watch the 22 minutes worth of episodes, and it's totally worth it to, to go do that, it's, yeah. yeah, I'll at least have some, some samples in here for it's, you. And he also just uses really, like, again, the way that it feels like it would be offensive, um, uses Australian, uh, uh, like, slang constantly. Like, he's just like, oh, you dingo, be an X-Men! <laughs> You know, like another Barbie. <laughs> and we actually hear the word Barbie with Pyro a little bit later. Oh, yeah. She's, he's like, doesn't everyone love a Barbie? And I'm like, where's, what? Where are you, who are you talking who about? Are your writers? It's, yeah, it's, it's almost happening? like if, if this were closed caption, they could just put Australian noises in parentheses <laughs> under Wolverine's <laughs> dialogue. Or like just a picture of the Australian uh, flag in parentheses and then that's it. Um, like if... How are you just not doing? How is this voice actor not just doing a crocodile Dundee impression I have at this no point? Idea. And like making him real happy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway. So so the mutant alert alarm goes off. They have a mutant alert alarm. Is the name of it? Yep. And we see the X Men jump in a plane. Kitty says, "No, wait for me." And then the next scene is the plane leaving, and uh, Xavier and Kitty still inside the Cerebro room yep. or whatever. And and that's when we learn that this was all a trick. Magneto has set off the mutant alarm that's somehow. <laughs> yep. And you press the the big the big button with the M on it. Yeah. Um, he took the AA batteries out of the mutant alarm activate. I don't know what he did. Well, it's, uh, but he sends. Go ahead. Or I was gonna say they're not quite as clueless as as it first seems because uh, Cyclops says like maybe this is a trap. And Professor Xavier says, I've reprogrammed Cerebro to have defensive capabilities. Um, never mind the fact that, like, any of the Brotherhood could get past these. It's just laser turrets. Um, let alone the Juggernaut, who is the one who actually shows up, who is immune to lasers. I have a, um, a special affinity towards laser turrets that pop out of the ground that have a little grass, basically. <laughs> a little haircut? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really, like, imagine those, just put two googly eyes on those, and then you're having a fucking party, right? <laughs> That's a great image. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, Room for one more? Like, <laughs> table for one. Just, yeah. Pew, pew, baby, pew, pew. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Juggernaut, he, Magneto sends Juggernaut running towards the mansion because, hey, it can be an X-Men episode if you don't uh, destroy the mansion. And, um, and at, at some point, Kitty gets scared, leans back and fries some electronic, defines, excuse me, fries the defensive circuit. There's a lot of and circuits going on. In this there's episode. a lot of circuits going on in this episode. Uh, yeah. The lasers turn off, which doesn't really matter because he, Juggernaut was literally just running past them two seconds before that. Uh, mm-hmm. He breaks in. Magneto follows him, and uh, Magneto is on the hunt for the mutant circuit, mutant power point. circuit, powering, yes, mutant power circuit. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, Xavier doing what is just the most brilliant move ever hands this very powerful device to a untrained, completely uh, scared 16 year old girl and tells her to run yep. from the most powerful supervillain on earth. But yeah, this what is, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> it's also, well, the nice thing is uh, juggernaut shows up here. So we get a little bit of juggernaut's accent, which is Bonesaw from Spider-Man. He's like, Hey brother, it's your step brother. <laughs> juggernaut. I like that they do the stepbrother stuff, though. I mean, like that's a good point. I mean, yeah. they they spend like a good 10, 15 seconds making sure we know, oh, yeah, they're related. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the, I think I think Xavier even says at one point, like, you're welcome over here anytime. Yeah. Like, you can just come by. <laughs> yeah. Just knock on the door. <laughs> um, the, the way that Magneto gets the mutant power circuit from uh, Kitty Pride is pretty creepy because the the way he does it he's like yes yes everything's fine and he's using his power to make little worms come out like worms of metal come out of the wall and it's really creepy but then they zap her and he gets the mutant power circuit and leaves and mm-hmm. uh and good- I, I like that they made uh they made they made a point of kitty dropping the ball and then magneto catching it at the last yeah like great. he waited until it was just about to hit the floor pretty like you could just he, see him go like yes inside of his head yeah, yes, <laughs> um we get a little commercial break moving on to act two it's called act two uh, we're Stanley. We get a little Stanley narration uh, to see the trap that the X Men have gone and followed, uh, fallen through, for which is uh, Pyro and the Blob holding up, or like they've kidnapped two people. Where are they? What I is this? I have no idea. I had no clue. Like it's just some place somewhere, like, and then there's a cage around this family. Like, like I don't try to get this at all. Like it's like a command yeah. center uh, for something. <laughs> Makes no sense whatsoever. Mm. Yeah, so so they made a like a like a cage around these people, and they show up. Uh, the X Men show up to fight them, and just Pyro and the Blob, like no problem. But the, uh, uh, the it's going to be one of the, oh, <laughs> the, the the hostages goes like one of them goes like, "What do you want?" And Blob Blob says, "Nothing, just take over." Um, <laughs> like, why are you such an idiot? Because um, uh, yeah. you hey, because you can't be fat and smart at the it, same it's time. It's true. You can't be to the eighties cartoon. Nope. You're a big, big bumbling moron. Uh, it reminds me of one of my favorite, um, the comic book Exiles, which is not great or anything, but in one of the alternate universes, uh, down on his luck, Blob uh, is making a living by walking into banks and just handing people a note that says, "I am a bulletproof mutant. Give me all your money." Um, which I, I really good, like that. Good job. That, that's really good. Mm-hmm. That's sad. Um, so, so they get in, they get into a fight here. Um, where uh, it's going to kind of show the problem with this as as far as the action scenes in this cartoon where people just pair off in the worst ways. Um, where Klaus is just like, I'll take care of it. Runs up and then just gives the blob a hug um, trying to move him. <laughs> but you can't move the blob. He's That's so his friendly. whole thing. He's... He's a friendly Russian. Like, what do you, yeah. this, this whole thing is is hugs, <laughs> very, very sometimes damaging hugs. If you if you slowed that down, or if you made a gif of it, it would just look like somebody running up to hug their friend. Like it's one hundred percent the same animation. <laughs> it's like I haven't seen you in a long time, Blob. Come on, where you been at? Yep. Ever since you joined the Brotherhood, we don't get to hang out anymore. <laughs> yep. Uh, but but they escape. They've done their job. Distracted the X Men, and uh, the you know the the Nightcrawler hands the little doll back to the little girl. Because uh, he's being the charming hand kissing uh, guy that he is, and the, the the humans are all cruel to him and say like, "Get away from a mutant!" It's like, yeah, the little girl is into it. Little girl is like, "Thank you so much!" And the, the, the her parents are like, "Fuck you, man! Get the yep. hell away from our daughter! We don't know you." Yep. Um, never talk to me or my daughter again. The uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so there it is. <laughs> then we go back to uh, Asteroid M, and renders to Toad, who sounds like Peter Laurie for some reason. And I have no oh, idea man. why Toad is Peter Lorre. He's like, yes, master. You know, it's like this the real he's sniffling. Al- yeah, he's also got that weird, servile, like, Igor thing happening that it's just, ugh. Like, yeah. it's just really bizarre. <laughs> it's very weird. Yes, master. Everything is ready, just as you ordered. <laughs> um, and they're going to put the mutant power circuit up in the ceiling, which he's the only one who has the power to do it, I guess. He's he has the power of jump. Yeah, did you know that? Yep, <laughs> he's the only one that can jump up there. Um, yeah. I, I do like that Lockheed is here for apparently no reason, and Magneto just kicks the shit out of him. Like he's just in the way, and Magneto's like "fuck you" and kicks Lockheed. There's no reason for and a it, tiny dragon to be here. It's really strange. 
really it makes no sense. The only reason it's here is because like somebody decided, oh, it's Kitty Pride. She has to have the dragon. Like, no, she doesn't. Like, just save that for episode five. That could be a fun arc. Yep. <laughs> she um, didn't. She wasn't. She didn't start with the dragon. I promise you that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so, so he he kicks. You know, he's abusing Toad. He tells Toad to to leave. Um, and the team is back at the mansion, and uh, everyone is understanding about this thirteen-year-old girl not defeating uh, Magneto, except for Wolverine, who is really, really mad that she didn't win uh, by herself against I Magneto mean, and Juggernaut. Wolverine has metal claws and has never ever fought Magneto in his life and won. <laughs> yeah, and never will, because again, this this uh, this Days of Future cast episode, uh, boy, does Wolverine not to get you know get very much to do. Because um, he does not do very much in this episode either. Oh uh, yeah, Wolverine doesn't get a whole lot of time to shine, except for his just horrible voice acting and a weird Australian accent. Um, yeah. So yeah, Xavier at this point says, "Oh hey, I'm also telekinetic," and then uses his brain power without Cerebro at this time, and go just goes and locates Magneto on Asteroid M, floating above the sky. Which, hey, hey, Professor, why do you need Cerebro? Yeah, that, that is in space. <laughs> That is that is like. Did you already know where Asteroid M is? Like, what do you, what are you doing? Anyway, doesn't no. matter. Um, I love I love the parts where, and this happens in the comic book sometimes too, where the X Men go to space and they have X Men astronaut outfits. Yep, that is my jam. The astronaut <laughs> outfits with the yellow X in the front. Dude, those are great. Is it very uh, just, very famous arc when you read like uh, Fatal Attractions with the, the mm-hmm. one where Wolverine actually tries to fight Magneto and doesn't go very well, is a really nice highlight for everyone wearing one of those outfits. And it's, like, super elaborate, like, scratchy Jim Lee art during, oh, yeah. during most Excellent. of it. Like, uh, X-Men 25 is, is the issue. Um, and it is uh, very, very cool. So not uncanny X-Men 25. X-Men 25 from the yeah. 90s. Um, yeah, I love those spacesuits. And, and Kitty loves them, too, because she puts on one instantly <laughs> in, in this, uh, this episode <laughs> a little bit later. Um, so so uh, Xavier finds out Magneto's plan, which is to use the mutant circuit to capture a comet, because uh, words have no meaning, and there's 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 literally <laughs> nothing that anything can't do in this uh, in this cartoon. Um, I guess asteroids and magnetism, right? That's a thing. I I guess. Uh, so we, so we move into Act Three. The X Men are heading off to stop Magneto. Stanley is saying, "This is it, true believers. Like there's a sense of urgency." Oh. So um, bad for okay. for once. All of, St- all of Stanley's narration in this, I, I cannot stand. I, I, I normally like kind of like Stanley as mm-hmm. my, my only interactions with Stanley are uh, cameos in the movies now. So it, you know, besides being the stripper DJ in, oh, I guess I probably shouldn't say that. But um, besides being weird in the Deadpool movie, like I, I'm fine with Stanley. This is just weirdly off putting to me, though. It's it's really phoned in. I mean, like it doesn't. It just feels like he doesn't give a shit, and it doesn't really make sense with what's going on. Like, imagine this got picked up as a cartoon, and this happened every every episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oof. Uh, so every like Kitty's like, I want to come, t- I want to come too, and uh, and they say, you know, Wolverine freaks out because no kids joining the X Men, and for once in his life, Professor Xavier is like. Uh, no, the Wolverine's probably actually right on this one. Like, you're 13, and we're going into space to fight a god, um, and and but. Xavier knew she was coming. In fact, I feel like Xavier probably put the idea to come in her head. Absolutely. Like, this, yeah. yeah, this is probably all part of his plan. Um, so when they get I mean, to, this, to parking orbit, she's there. Yeah, what is parking orbit? <laughs> what, <laughs> AKA orbit. Like, I think all orbits are parking orbits. Right. Like, <laughs> like there's just, they're the same. Ugh. I, I mean, I'm not a space nerd or anything, but like, if you're in orbit, then, uh, okay. You're, anyway. you're, you're parked for space. 
this is a good example of um, like these spacesuits that I love so much because Cyclops trying to get inside Asteroid M just shoots his eye beams through like his little visor thing. <laughs> so I guess nanoparticles or whatever he could just shoot through the glass yep. without any kind of yeah. Yep. Okay. His concussive okay. force goes through the glass because that's not what concussive means apparently. Yep. Uh, hmm. Ugh. Um, and then um, there's there's a moment where Cyclops tells Wolverine to use his tracking power, which is a, a weird way because. You know, in the comic books, it took a while for Wolverine to be established as having that like that super sense of smell or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I like the idea that it's just a tracking power. Yeah, he has like, senses. He's like Caliban. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'm just okay. Where is Cyclops' keys? Yes. Guys, follow me. <laughs> oh, follow me. I found his keys. Um, <laughs> the uh, so this is this is one of the dumber, you know, scenes in the the thing where uh, Magneto has spaced his uh, his different Brotherhood members like boss fights along the way. Like I would not be surprised if if you found out that the video game came first yeah, for this because yeah. this plays so much like a game with a series of boss fights, but the X Men nonsensibly like pair off. So like Pyro is there and he's like, "Hey, Lav, oh, I've got fire," you know, and and uh, Dazzler's like, "I got this," and starts hitting him in the face with energy beams. Uh, she's got it on lock. Like she could take him out anytime, just do a slightly bigger energy beam, or while this is happening, Colossus could knock him on the head. Anything could happen. Instead, though, she's just kind of out of the fight to be there, so they didn't have to animate a big fight at the end. So she just kind of like zaps Pyro, and, and everyone moves on. And then the next thing, Toad pops down, and Wolverine's like, "I got this." Uh, Wolverine, after jumping around a little bit, c- causes a cave in that traps Toad in the wall. But then, rather than continuing along, Wolverine just hangs out by the wall. And that's it for Wolverine in this episode. It's really weird. Um, Gotta make, hey, you don't want Toad to be loose. I mean, he's probably the most powerful mutant in this group. He's the underdog. (laughs) I mean, he could probably get out from, you know, from rubble. Like, I believe that. But at the same time, like, knock him on the head. Like, tie him up. You know, you're superheroes. You do this shit. And this just just keeps happening. Like, people just kind of pair off. You know, uh, kind of nonsensibly fighting. Yeah, and then we get to we get to the White Queen here, and we've seen the White Queen use her crazy telepathy powers to make soldiers believe that the you know all their things, all the road is water, basically. Mm-hmm. But here, she just doesn't do that. No, <laughs> she just uh, instead of doing that, she just makes a bolt and throws it at somebody. And I don't I don't even remember who it was that like it's, takes it's her storm, down. It's like a two second. Yeah, it's like a two second thing. And I'm like, why didn't you make Storm think that she was in a like a enclosed space? Totally. Or or make Cyclops think about how he's never going to date another redhead again and have an end well. There's <laughs> <laughs> just a lot of different ways you can go here. Maybe it is Cyclops that they pair up with. I can't remember, but it's just another another dumb pairing, you know, here that doesn't doesn't make any sense until eventually just Nightcrawler's left and the blob tries to stop him and he teleports past him. But he's Nightcrawler and that's he's fine. Um, you know, so they get to this final final room. And uh, and and this is where kind of Kitty's time to shine. Like it's good that she she is here, because she kind of tricks Magneto. She uses her power, tricks Magneto into breaking the circuit, um, and then Nightcrawler like teleports to connect the circuit. But because of really dumb science, like they are now in control and can use Magneto's power, or something like that. Like this makes no sense at all. Yeah, n- number one, Nightcrawler has to stay to keep because. Kitty tricks Magneto to break the circuit, the mutant power circuit. So then, then nothing's going to happen. But the asteroid or whatever is still on the course to hit the Earth. So then Nightcrawler, at Xavier's orders, because he's still communicating with them telepathically a million miles away, 
um, says Nightcrawler, go up there and complete the circuit. So he just like well, holds both sides of a wire and it just starts working, right? Like that's that's yeah. completing the circuit, which makes no fucking sense. And it's not. I don't. I'm not an electrician, right? But like the the <laughs> the, the, the wire that connects two things isn't the thing that controls the device. Like no, all Nightcrawler no, is doing ever. is connecting the circuit. That doesn't mean he controls the computer part of it. Like my mouse cable is not what controls the video game I'm playing or me. Like the mouse cable is just the thing that like it just transmits information. It does. It has no. And then all power. Kitty does here, all the Kitty does here is knocks Magneto on a particular panel, which I wouldn't think was even that important. And then all of a sudden, they can control Magneto's powers to move the asteroid away. It makes no. Yeah, it makes no sense at all. No fucking um, sense. And Lockheed uh, gets his reve- her, his revenge against Magneto. I think at some point distracts him. Yeah, at, at some point, um, Magneto has kicked Lockheed again, and then uh, at this point, Lockheed comes in and like bites him on the ankles yep. or something because I mean he forgets that he has fire. I don't I don't know what's happening. Animal, animal cruelty gets um, gets hurt. It gets uh gets yep gets punished, which is good. And so at this point, um, we're in a dire situation because if Nightcrawler leaves, it, the circuit deactivates, and Magneto tells them, "Well, that if you deactivate the circuit." the asteroid will just go right back into Earth again, which is not how anything works in the real world, but okay, yeah, Mm. sure. So um, they all leave, and at the last minute, Nightcrawler teleports off the asteroid, and the asteroid hits... The Scorpio asteroid hits Asteroid M and blows it up. Nightcrawler is then in free fall in space, headed towards Earth, and they have to use grappling hooks? (laughs) They say they're grappling beams, which which really bothers me, because they're so clearly not beams... They're like little, you know, uh, uh, tentacle arms uh, that that are sending out. So, so, and it, this is not how Nightcrawler's powers work. He doesn't get to see something on a view screen and then teleport to it because then he could do anything. He has to see it in real life. But here, he, he can teleport uh, via view screen. He kind of fucks up. Um, they use these little grappling arms, bring him back in. Uh, he apparently they get nothing. Xavier is on the on the ship, so Xavier would know if Nightcrawler's dead. He acts like he's dead, and I think he just does it to like emotionally manipulate the team. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Because because he's Otherwise, just like, why would he teleport into the the closet? Why would he just teleport on the deck? And why why does Xavier not know that if he's searching for for Nightcrawler? But he's just like, no, he's gone. But then uh, Nightcrawler is in the closet, surprise, alive. <laughs> this is this is totally just a learning tool for for Xavier. Like Xavier just wants to teach everybody a lesson about grief or yeah. something. I don't I don't or friendship <laughs> or some shit. Like none of this makes sense at all. Yeah. Um, so everybody loves Kitty Pride at this point. She's a you know every, this this whole thing is building up to her being useful and, and being able to be an X Men. Uh, she apologizes to Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler you know takes it with grace. And Wolverine's like, ah, oh, she can't join the X Men yet. And dun dun dun. But he's still like, I can't imagine watching a cartoon where this is Wolverine's characterization and voice. Not at all. No, yeah, they were, I can definitely see why this was never developed. It, in a it like sank the pilot. Like I don't know if it actually did, but like it could have. Well, what really sunk the pilot was the RoboCop Mafia, who realized that they were missing the 13th episode. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> like never will find out what happened to the weird applesauce that he eats. The <laughs> RoboCop animators came and broke some fucking knees, yeah. is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, I, that's just... I mean, seriously, we, we've said it before. If you have 22 minutes of spare time, um, put this on in the background on your TV while you're doing something and, and watch. Even if you don't have that, go listen to the theme song, which I've already you've already listened to because I've cut it in. But, like, man, 
it's it's such a weird weird thing that exists. And I I'd never really gotten into the late seventies early eighties cartoons. Yeah, like, I didn't realize that there was a whole universe of like Spider Man and his friends and Spider Woman. Like I I kind of I guess I knew that stuff existed, but I didn't know it was like a whole universe of stuff that was there. So there, I mean, there's I, only kind of interested in only, tracking some of that down. There's only kind of like a big universe. It's mostly just kind of spins off from Spider Man. Um, yeah, yeah. The, and, and Spider Man and his Amazing Friends is not worth watching. Like even the episode, like if you like X Men, you should watch uh, a Firestar is Born, the X Men crossover mm-hmm. episode, uh, just because you get to see some weird characterization of some X Men. But like, it's not a very good show. Um, you know, in the like the '90s show, for all of its faults, like is significantly better. Um, and uh, <laughs> you know, there's a reason why we're dedicating our lives to that. Um, I don't know. If we're yeah, not. and not any other animated series. Yeah, you know, <laughs> at least not the uh, the seventies one. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's our little diversion that we're we're doing. Um, next episode, what uh, what are we covering? We are covering um, till death do us part one and two. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. We're not. I was looking at the wrong place. We are covering days of future past part one and part two, and then the final decision, which is the last three episodes of season one. Yeah. So that'll be our episode four, and then um, if you guys out there listening like this show, please let us know. These first four episodes are kind of a pilot for us. Um, they're in the Duck Feed Presents channel mm-hmm. um and if y'all like it please let us know um you can go to duckfeed.tv slash contact i'm guessing and let us know that or you can let us know in the slack channel which if you go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv you can donate two dollars and come hang out and talk with gary with myself and with uh geez like uh, hundreds of other people gary. Yeah. like every other day I'm, i see like more people show up and i'm like who are these people where do they come from yeah but, the, um, but they're all great um, two dollars, yeah, two dollars a month gets you in the Slack, and you can come chat with us and let us know what you do or do not like about the X Men. Yeah, and the uh, so this is you know, like I said, the first season of this is definitely coming out. The second season is will be a little bit dependent on on Patreon stuff. So we're trying to find a way to uh, to do more stuff. Um, but that is always you know, as we always talk about on the main shows, like that is uh, is a financial concern. Like even a show like this, which. Uh, you know, doesn't require playing an entire game, still requires a lot of preparation. And uh, so you know who you're listening to this. Uh, Jeremy edits this, and it's a lot of work. Um, so it is uh, it is significant, and in order to be able to do that and take that time to do these things, um, you know, support is appreciated. So this, uh, thank you for, for checking out this, this first season. We still have an episode to go, and then the future of the, the show is in your hands. I don't mean that as an ultimatum Absolutely. or a threat. I just mean that as a, as a fact of, of chronology. Um... Yeah, if you, uh, the other thing you can do, um, if you, uh, if you like this other than letting us know and supporting us on Patreon is, uh, that Duckfeed Presents, um, getting more people to know about, uh, Duckfeed Presents, um, and kind of the stuff we're doing. So tell people about it, um, blog it, tweet it, all those things are really appreciated too. And that's going to help. Um, yeah, I think that's probably about it. That's it. Uh, yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. Um, Gary, you're on Twitter. I am uh, at Gary Bud, G A R Y B U H, and um, yeah, the uh, hit us up on there and talk about X Men. Tell us why you like Angel. Yeah, yeah, come argue with us about Angel. Yeah, we'll win. But yes. You can try. <laughs> <laughs>
superheroes like me can fight all your battles for you. Think again. Voting for your local, state, and federal representative lets you choose who's on your side and all the issues we face today. The little ones, the really big ones, too. But before you can vote, you need to register. So do it now. For registration forms or information on how to register, visit your local participating video store. Have a voice in your future. Register. Vote. <laughs> and Tom Spider-Man.